No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. There's an old saying come playoff time that a series doesn't truly begin until the road team wins a game. Well, ring-a-ding-ding, folks. The Winnipeg Jets have certainly won Game 1, commencing the series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this evening on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show. With Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Rumendell, here to discuss an absolutely dominant Winnipeg Jets victory, the final score 5-1 tonight in Las Vegas, sending people flooding out to the strip with disappointed looks on their faces, except for those, of course, that were cheering for the Winnipeg Jets. Gentlemen, good to see you both. Dave M. in the top right, Ezra Ginsburg in the bottom middle. It's nice to see you on this Tuesday evening, night two of the NHL playoffs, night one for the Winnipeg Jets. A great victory by the Jets tonight, Ezzy. Absolutely. What's up, boys? What's up to everybody who's joining us tonight live in the chat or whoever might be watching this uh, after we broadcast this live? But yeah, what a win for the Jets. And you're absolutely right, Drew. It was dominant, especially from a defensive standpoint, right? Like the Golden Knights looked slow tonight. They weren't generating a lot of shots. They weren't generating a lot of offense. Uh, You know, aside from, you know, a handful of high danger chances, including the William Carlson goal, um, you know, the Golden Knights looked like a pretty average team. I thought the Jets made them look like an average team, made them look like a slow team. I mean, the Jets' penalty kill was putting on a clinic tonight, uh, including that late power play in the third period when the Jets got called for too many men. I don't know if the Golden Knights had a shot on net, but if they did, yeah. So there you go. I thought they either had one or none. Um, And there was a power play earlier in the game. I think it was late in the first period, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or might have been in the second period when the Golden Knights didn't have a shot. So... Um, you know, the power play was obviously, you know, uh, a concern for both teams, boys, going into this series. But, you know, the Jets, I think, you know, won the even strength battle. They won the special teams battle. And Lauren Brassois, I don't think, you know, he was the reason the Golden Knights lost. But you know, he looked shaky tonight. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure, you know, if it's too early in the series, Dave, to make a goaltending change. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the way Lauren Brassois was playing, and he got lucky, right? Like a couple of... I mean, on the play where Morgan Barron got 75 stitches, I mean, that puck almost crossed the line, right? Braden McNabb looked like he was doing everything uh, with his body to keep that puck out of the net, right? But, um, yeah, the Jets were dominant, and this is about as good as a game one uh, can go for the road team, Dave. It was an unexpected uh, game by Winnipeg, but that is exactly how you draw up a road victory for the for the Jets especially in game one to start things off and as he's right all the offense is fantastic but everybody in this in this series or in the previews I should say was talking about you know defensive hockey and the Jets defensively I mean and we're going to get into this obviously when we get our recap going but guys they didn't allow a shot they had one shot against in the third period in a game they were up so Vegas is trailing it's a playoff game Obviously, heading into the set third into the third period, and the Jets give up one shot in the first seventeen minutes. As as he said, 
none on the power play. And they completely made like the Jets look more like Adam Lowry looked like he had better chances. Mason Appleton, hell of a good game. You had three guys make their pro playoff debuts in Sandberg, Gustafson, and Barron. And Gustafson obviously didn't play a ton, but Barron looked like he's like an NHL veteran. Sandberg, I thought was exceptional. I thought he was, I, I call, I said in, on Twitter, I said he was calm, cool, and collected. And he looked fantastic, I thought. And it's funny, it just goes to show you because he wasn't wasn't phenomenal for the Moose last year when he made his pro uh, playoff debut in the AHL, but he was he was exceptional. I thought again, one game. We're not going to start writing the history books after one game, but I thought he was excellent because there's a lot of nerves. I mean, that was one of the things that Rick Bonus was talked about. How do you harness that energy? Because he said it doesn't matter if you're a guy playing your first game or a guy playing in your fiftieth game. There's a lot of nervous energy that goes, you know, from playing playoff hockey, both from uh, a team like Vegas and a team like Winnipeg. So uh, I really thought the guys who were making their debuts played uh, really well for Winnipeg. And that's what you need. And and again, I, I really, again, Nita Ryder, I thought was excellent. I thought Nemesnikov was excellent. I thought the whole team was excellent. I actually have to say, I thought the Jets to a man played exceptionally well. They made a mistake. They got burned on it. But overall, and it starts with Connor Hellebuck, who, who, you know, they talked on the broadcast. I think it was Kelly Rudy said he didn't have to steal it. Well, he was pretty damn good in that first period. And I think that's, and as he, Drew said it in the, you know, on the Saturday show, how Vegas is one of the best first period teams in the, in the NHL. So for the Jets to have limited Vegas in that first period, thanks to their defensive effort, but also thanks to Connor Hellebuck, it set things up for the entire game. The, the Winnipeg Jets in a playoff game gave up 17 shots mm-hmm. in 60 minutes. On the road. On the road. Right. We've, we've seen the Jets give up 17 shots in half a period. I mean, I, I can't remember. I thought this was the Jets' best game of the entire year. You know, I, I honestly think it was the most complete. Well, given the game. importance, 100%. Well, given the importance, for sure, given that it is the playoff game, of course. But I, I can't think back to another game where they looked this complete in this season. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't have been anything, uh, you know, you know, in the last couple of months. And, yes, there's been games where they've won by a larger margin. But, you know, both teams rested. Given the stakes, given the the situation, given that it's the playoffs, this Winnipeg Jets team came out and, and gave up 17 shots on goal, including two in the entirety of the third period when they were when, when they had a lead, when they were up two one. Vegas ha- had no answer for the Jets. I, I, I'm stunned. I mean, I thought the Jets could win this game, but I did not expect them to be. Uh, as dominant and have as complete an effort tonight as they did, especially without Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, exactly. Yeah, no Ehlers. And you, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later because I think most people were surprised that Ehlers didn't play. Shocked. And we'll see, we'll see what happens between now and game two. But you're absolutely right, Drew. I think, you know, a lot of people thought the Jets could win game one, but I don't think a lot of people expected it to be in this fashion. No. And that was really how you want to play a third period when you're protecting the lead, right? Like you're not sitting back, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're picking your spots. Um, obviously, you know, the goal late from Adam Lowry was unexpected. That was just the icing on on the on top, right? But when you're talking about, you know, the key matchups, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois versus Jack Eichel, I mean, it was like a man versus a boy. Yeah. It really was. And and yeah, this is Eichel's first ever playoff game and everything like that. And, you know, he he was noticeable out there. He obviously didn't have his best game. And we'll get into, you know, the first goal, which obviously, you know, 
involved those two players. But I mean, Dubois was excellent tonight. And, you know, the Jets top line was certainly better than the Eichel line. Um, but Dave is right. Like, I mean, obviously the, you know, the Gustafson, Manalainen line, uh, Stenlin line didn't play a ton. Um, but, you know, that's that shows you, you know, the importance of acquiring players like Niederreiter and Nemestikov because Niederreiter can be elevated and then Morgan Barron um, can go back to the third line where he's been for the majority of the season. So this was an all-around team effort. And you're absolutely right, Drew, when you talk about limiting the Golden Knights to two shots on net. Like this was this was Rick bonus, and you heard Kevin Bieksa talk about it. Like this was, you know, if you don't have a play, chip the puck off of the glass. Like just don't let the other team develop any type of speed through the neutral zone. The, the transition game was non-existent. Like there just wasn't a lot of speed from the Golden Knights. I know I was talking about that earlier with the lack of speed, but that's a testament to the way the Jets played defensively. They executed their game plan. Um, you know, definitely was not high event hockey, but the Jets frustrated the Golden Knights. Like they, there just wasn't, they weren't able to generate a lot of speed or any sustained zone time or anything like that. Um, the Jets were opportunistic. And when they did, uh, you know, go on, on a man disadvantage, they were able to kill the penalties off quite easily. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the way that they played, you know, it was, it was really impressive. I, I did think, as I mentioned earlier, that Brossois was a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about it. I mean, this is a guy who's never been a, starter, a starter in the playoffs. He came, he played one game back in 2017 for the Oilers. Um, but you could tell just the way he was handling the puck, right? Like I forget who the, the giveaway was to the behind the net. I forget if it was Dubois. It was Appleton. Uh, Appleton. There you go. It was yeah. a Jets forward. I remember that. Mm. Um, and a big forward. So there you go. Appleton's uh, got some size too. Um, so yeah, I didn't think Brassois was, was bad, but like, I don't think you're going to turn to Jonathan quick already. It's too early in the series. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly going to be a, a hot topic in Vegas, their goaltending situation. Um, but look, top to bottom, the Golden Knights just did not play very well. I mean, it's not like, you know, the it wasn't that they were, you know, uh, in control of the game and Lauren Brassois gave up a couple bad goals. That wasn't the situation at all. The Jets right. were in control of this game. The Jets were the dominant team. The Jets deserved full marks to win this game and you know coming into this game and coming into the series it had been talked about a lot that you know the Vegas their underlying numbers weren't as good as their record indicated that this was the closest of the first round series that it was a toss-up you know who was who was actually going to be the favorite here at even strength and, and you know the Jets expected goals at even strength was 2.86 to 1.37 for for Vegas I mean that shows you the control of the play that the Jets had and, you know, when the Golden Knights had zone time, and they did have some zone time, the Jets did a terrific job keeping it to the outside, keeping it away from the danger areas. Meanwhile, when the Jets scored their goals, and we'll get into those in the Betway game recap, a lot of them came from the the dirty areas, especially the third goal for the Jets. The the Wheeler one, which actually proved to be, a, you know, a huge uh, function in, in, that, in that third period. Uh, look, I'm I'm impressed by this Winnipeg Jets effort. I you know I I I didn't see it coming to this degree uh, in tonight. I thought that they could win. It wasn't going to be shocked if they won. But to control the play must give them such a boost moving forward in this series. Dave, they're playing yeah. as they have been since the really that homestand. They're playing as a tremendous since, since Mark Shifley was moved to the wing, really, yeah. right? Like what was <laughs> that? Like eight, as, they, eight or nine games left in the season, right? Yeah. And and you're right, Drew. I mean, if, if you want to look at it, 
when you consider the stakes, the context, whatever you want to call it, uh, the fact that it was on the road, yeah. and the fact that you know Nikolai Ehlers, who's one of your most skilled players, mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the better efforts from the Jets, right? Like everyone, you know, as as they say, like had a piece of of that win. That was the the cliche team effort, right? And you know that that is something that you know Vegas is going to have to make adjustments. Like they're they're going to have to find. Like Dave and I, and it's funny because you know you check natural statric, who had the best even strength expected goals for the or uh, sorry Corsi four was Dylan Sandberg, right? He made that mm-hmm. really nice play. Dylan Sandberg um, was terrific. Tonight. Forget who the the two on one that he broke up, Dave. Maybe you remember that, but uh, I remember the play. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, like he was just really solid all night mm-hmm. long. And you know, I don't think there's you know any questions now if if Sandberg is is going to be replaced on the third pair. I mean, this is the Jets' <laughs> top six. There's not going to be any changes in the Jets' top six. The only change, as it stands now, is Nick Ehlers coming back into the lineup, and then hopefully the Jets can get Cole Perfetti. Uh, but this series might be, if this continues like this, this isn't going to be a very long series, and it's going to be Cole Perfetti coming back in round two as opposed to late in the first round. Well, let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves there, yeah. as Mr. Ginsburg, because you know no, the Golden Knights are going to have a strong pushback because they can't be pleased with their effort, Dave. No, and I, I think what I, I just wanted to touch on a point that you made, Drew, because um, I think the, you know, you said you, you it's not that you were not expecting the Jets' victory to come, that you were surprised by the Jets having a victory, but it was more the manner. Mm-hmm. Because I think if everyone, as everyone probably anticipated, was that if the Jets were going to win, Connor Hellebuck was going to have to steal the game. I mean, that's every almost every mm-hmm. you know video that was leading up to this game was talking about Connor Hellebuck. And I, and I said this already in this broadcast, which is already 15 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the recap yet. It's going to be a long one, folks. Stay tuned. <laughs> Smash that like button. Playoff but- time means we go long. Yes, exactly. Smash like, like smash like button like JP, who I was in a restaurant and he yelled across to the restaurant to me, smash that like button. I like that. Everyone yep. was looking around going, what's going on here? I but- saw JP Vigier recently too. <laughs> we want people screaming things at Dave in public at all times. That's why. Well, actually, like the first thing JP said to me was he lost his toque. Uh, and I was like, and then I was trying to ascertain whether he was talking like an old school IC toque. You know, and I was gonna ref. I was gonna send him to Kenneth in North Dakota because I believe he has about fifteen from the ICOT pools back in the day. But anyways, the point is getting back to my main point. Now that I've asked folks to smash that like button, was just the I think the expectation was that Connor Hellebuck was gonna have to dominate the entirety of the game. Sure. And as I said, Connor Hellebuck was excellent in that first period when he needed to. He made some really nice saves throughout the course of the game. He definitely had a piece of that hockey game, but he didn't have to be. The story behind this hockey game, the story was the total team effort by this Jet team, whether you want to call it attention to detail, whether you want to call it anything else. The reality is this Jet team played a complete hockey game. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Drew, it probably was their best game of the season, especially given how important it was. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, again, 17 saves, that's uh, 17 shots. That's all Vegas mustered in the course of the game. Connor Hellebuck had to make some saves, but you know, yes, he outplayed Laurent Brassois, which of course you knew that the Jet, he would have to outplay the, the Golden Knights goaltender, but it's not like he was especially tested. There were some opportunities, but I mean, how many you know, Connor Hellbuckian, you know, saves really did he make in the course of the game? I mean, he made some nice saves, but there wasn't anything that you're like, holy moly, how did he do that? This was just a a complete effort by the Winnipeg Jets, and they made life easy on their goaltender. High danger chances, Drew, uh, Vegas, one in the first, two in the second, 
two in the third. I don't know how there was two in the third because they only had two shots. <laughs> and I know Chandler Stevenson had a, a decent chance on the power play, but he wasn't credited for a shot. To me, that was the best scoring chance they had when it slid across the goal line uh, late in, in that power play for too many men. Yeah. So, yeah, to your point, I mean, this the, the Golden Knights did not generate a lot of shots. Uh, but, you know, the Jets seem to capitalize on all of their really good scoring chances, right? Uh, so, you know, the, the fashion in which the Jets won this game is really encouraging, you know, going forward in the series because the, the Golden Knights are already, um, you know, at a disadvantage having gone down one game. And yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's definitely going to be response in game two. The Golden Knights have to come out with more pressure, more urgency. Like it just didn't seem like a very urgent team to me. It seemed like a team that was just getting frustrated by how how tightly uh, checked they were by the Jets. You talk about urgency, Ezzy, and that brings up a good point, because when the Jets take that too many men on the ice penalty with five minutes to go uh, in the third period, I think it came with five minutes and 15 seconds to go in the third period, the Golden Knights power play has been bad all year. It had done nothing through the course of the game. You're trailing by two goals. I was shocked that uh, Bruce Cassidy didn't pull Laurent Brossois to go with a six on four at that opportunity. I, I see no, well, especially, especially later, right? Like I can understand you leave him in for the first 30 to 60 sure. seconds. Yeah. But, but yeah. Why aren't you pulling him? And I think Drew, it's a good point. Sorry to cut you off, but I was going to say, especially with the way, with how much, how, how, how difficult it was the golden Knights to generate any offense. Mm-hmm. So I think, isn't that why you're, isn't that the time to do it? If, if that's not the time to do it, obviously, you know, two minutes left when you're, you know, you didn't do anything on the power play. That's not the time to do it. No, they, it was just odd. Like, you know, it, you know, I, I, I didn't see a reason to not do it, yet he didn't do it. And then obviously he did it and the Jets scored into the empty net. But who cares if the Jets score into the empty net with two minutes to go or they score into the empty net with four minutes to go when you're already down two goals and you had the amount of damage there. And the, I mean, the Golden Knights power play was just bad. I mean, the Jets well, penalty the, and, kill... I was going to say, you got to yeah. also conversely say the Absolutely. Jets penalty kill was exceptional and it has been very good. But right. I mean, they were... They weren't giving up any chances. They were aggressive. I mean, and, and again, that's the unheralded stuff. We always talk about guys scoring. Mm-hmm. And when a guy like, you know, Adam Lowry, you know, playoff goal scorer is, <laughs> and by the way, Drew, how does that work with our assessment? Because we generally don't break down empty net goals, but if a goal gets scored after an empty net goal, <laughs> does that mean that we still have we'll to just, we'll just circumvent well, it? Especially when it's that beautiful. That was a beautiful tic-tac-toe goal. Yeah, but let's yeah. not, let's not, but I, like, my point is, that all of these plays, and we talk about it, you know, whether it's sometimes we, you know, the third assist we often reference, which doesn't get noted, noted, but is is critical to a goal transpiring. But also, it's these little sacrifices that Kevin Stenland, Morgan Barron, Mason Appleton, Adam Josh, Lowry, Josh Morrissey know, taking Josh Morrissey, block uh, for up sure, high late in the game sure. there. But I'm just saying that these guys, especially on the PK, it yep. was it was really really impressive the way. And I understand, hey, look, you know what? But you don't want to give. Vegas life. You don't want to give that power play with all those weapons life. So for the Jets to be able to lock it down and to continue to roll and play their kind of impose their game on Vegas, Mm -hmm. it was not an unexpected. It really wasn't unexpected. Like I said, I don't think anybody is surprised the Jets won. I think people are surprised by the fact that the Jets won in this manner. Yeah. I, you know, one of the power plays I wanted to bring up is the one that happened, I believe, in the second period with Manalainen when he took the slashing penalty. So we know that Saku Manalainen, how important he is to the Jets' uh, penalty kill. So he's in the box 
uh, you know, he's in the box there uh, on, uh, you know, taking that penalty after taking that penalty. And remember, Morgan Barron is out of the lineup at this point in time as well. So the Jets are really trying to kill off that penalty with uh, not their regular penalty killing unit. And they did such a terrific job at it. I mean, look, top to bottom, there's not one aspect of this Winnipeg Jets game that you're looking and saying uh, they need to, you know, especially clean up there's obviously always little things that you can do better but human nature is that you're you're there's you know every game's gonna have that but every aspect of the game tonight for the winnipeg jets clicked and it clicked a lot better than it did for the vegas golden knights who have to be i think they have to be a little bit shell-shocked i would say the golden knights seemed a little shell-shocked especially in that latter half of the third period when they you know you're trailing by two goals after the wheeler goal and they couldn't get anything going. They looked like a frustrated uh, bunch that was uh, that, that just had no answers for what the Jets were throwing at them uh, later in that uh, third period, Ezzy. 100%. And, and that's, uh, uh, like we said before, that is a credit to how the Jets were playing, right? And, you know, we saw that at times this year. We definitely didn't see that a lot, you know, in January, February, March, when the Jets were struggling a lot. You saw it in the third period when, the you know, the Jets needed to, close it out against the wild, but this is different, right? Like this is a good golden Knights team. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, you know, they're 16 points better than the jets, right? Like the jets, I, I think are more of a 105 point team than a 95 point team. And that has a lot to do with that, you know, period there that we were talking about, you know, the 20 or 25 games, you know, from let's say early February to mid March, late March when the jets were just God awful. Right. Yeah. Um, but the jets played really well. And, you know, you have to like the fact that it continued throughout the game. And that, and that has been an issue for the Jets, right? Like that you see, you know, one or two good periods, but then there's there's a bit of a, um, you know, a, a, a sag or whatever you yeah. want to call it, right? So, yeah, it's it's really impressive. And, yeah, the Golden Knights are, are in trouble a little bit here. It's only one game, um, but we know if you go down 2 nothing, I mean, this could be a very quick series. No pun intended if we see Jonathan Quick at all in the series, right? But yeah, no, look at and, and the Jets have the ability to play this way. Um, we've seen it throughout the season, but that was one of the big question marks, right? Like, are the Jets going to be able to win the 2-1-3-2 games? And don't sure. let the school score fool you. I mean, this, this was a one-goal game in the third period, right? Obviously, there was an explosion of goals later in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a credit to, you know, Adam Lowry, really, who's continued his strong play from the end of the season into the beginning part of the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that there, there we'll put it this way. There wasn't much not to like about this game. Uh, you know, it wasn't a perfect game, but it's almost as close to perfect yeah. as you can be in the first round, uh, first game of the first round on the road. Yeah. They really, there really is never a perfect game, but this was a damn close to, to that from the Winnipeg Jets perspective. If you're looking for a template, Drew, I suspect Rick bonus is saying, <laughs> yeah. okay, guys, do I'm not going to even show, I'm not going to need to show you video, but we're yeah. just going to watch this whole game. We're not going to clip everything. You're going to do everything <laughs> the exact same on Thursday, except it's an hour later of a start, right? Is it 30 minutes? No. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock Central 30. Time on Thursday gotcha. for that. So yes, it'll be a late post game show, but that's fine. That's why we do it here. Uh, all we do it all throughout Open the regular for a season. Overtime game that one. 
That's right. We do it all throughout the regular season so that we can have fun doing it in, in the in the playoffs. So we're glad that so many of you are with us. This is the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg will be back again Thursday, like I said, uh, after game two between the Jets and the Golden Knights. And again, Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a very busy stretch of time here on the Illegal Curve YouTube And someone channel. has an anniversary, I hear, coming up. It's true. I have uh, my anniversary is coming up on Saturday. My wife is... Uh, for some reason been married to me for 11 years uh, assuming we make it to saturday of course you know that's still uh, four days away F- you know 50 50 we make it to saturday in time but yes that is my uh, wedding anniversary uh we have to talk before we get into the betway game recap we have to talk about morgan Barron because i mean what a dangerous situation that was uh thankfully uh, it seems as though, you know, stitches and he'll have a scar for the rest of his life, but nothing worse than that when it looked like it could be oh so close to being a potentially catastrophic uh, injury. Adam Lowry talking about Morgan Barron, uh, this courtesy of our friends, uh, the assembled media in Vegas, quote, he looked like he got attacked by a shark. And he does look like he got attacked by a shark. His side of his face has just got a gash on it like nobody's business. But just what an effort by Morgan Barron. And then to come back in the game and there's no hesitancy in his game. There's no, you know, he, he plays the same game that he usually plays this time. He's got 75 or so stitches that Darren Dreger reporting. It might've even been more than 75, uh, you know, in his face. So you want to talk playoff hockey and, and all that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, warriors and all that stuff. Well, Morgan Barron really did sh- uh, show a warriors mentality for the Winnipeg jets tonight. Yeah, I ended up with three shots on net, five hits, uh, only played 10 minutes and 44 seconds. But as you mentioned, he was a little bit busy getting 75 stitches. So you're right, Drew. Yeah. Played a physical game. Uh, you know, he's Charlie Hustle, right? Like he's and, and he's got a lot of talent too. Like he's not just a, a, a plugger. Like, you know, mm-hmm. ask Dave, like you know, this is a guy who was a top player with the boost, you know, uh, really good uh, point producer for Cornell, Big Red, right? And yeah, I mean – Look at, I mean, there's a lot too to rally behind in this game, right? And I think that you know, you know, game two is not going to be easy. It's not like we're just giving the Jets the game two victory here. No, um, but there's a lot of adversity that they overcame within the game, um, and I, I, I think you know Morgan Barron. I mean, he's going to wear that. You got to love also too. We just got to talk about you know, it's like the the community center reminds you of minor hockey wearing the full cage. So that's always funny. They were. Gary Galley was breaking it down a little bit too much. I was getting a little bit worried about why you know, <laughs> Gary Galley was so into Morgan Barron's birdcage, but uh, yeah, Barron was was just like a lot of Jets. It was really good tonight. Yeah, he was, Dave. I mean, just the, the guts that it took to do what he did and then come back and be effective in that role. And really that entire third line, Lowry, Barron, and Appleton. Uh, I mean, we know Lowry gets the two goals, the one on the power play and then the empty netter as well. Uh, you know, they guess the empty netter first and then the power play goal after that. But besides the goals, you know, and even before that, they were noticeable all game long. And mm-hmm. Mason Appleton should have had a couple goals himself oh, yeah. if it wasn't for some sort of force field uh, around the net that prevented him from scoring. But Baron Lowry and Appleton were absolutely uh, just tremendous line for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Uh, you know, finishing with a Corsi four of 61 and a half percent. And that's, of course, with Baron missing so many minutes of the game. Well, and, and again, it's critical for what we've talked about for for 
forever, it seems like. You cannot have a third line that can't produce. Well, the third line produced. It produced in all elements of the game, the neutral zone, in the offensive zone, and, and of course, in the defensive zone. So for me, you know, it was an adherence to a game plan, and the Jets came up with one, and they stuck to it, and they didn't deviate, and they played a perfect road game, one in which, look, they didn't get last change, but they sure managed to, you've got to give Rick Bonus credit. Yeah. You know, when, when, when coaches do things that confuse us, we, we, we say, well, that's a confusing decision. Well, when coaches do things that, that make that, that are successful, you laud them for it. And I thought he deserved that tonight. I thought he, he, he won the coaching matchup mm-hmm. and was able to really get his guys that he wanted out there. And yeah, I mean, it was, it really was a testament to, yeah, it was just an unexpected game from Vegas. And look, these two teams haven't played. The last game was in December. So it was funny how people were talking about how the season series I'm like, who cares? That was like a different, totally different season. That was in December. It's you know months ago. These teams haven't played each other, and and lots of things have transpired, have changed since then. So, to me, it was going to be a completely kind of you you wanted to see if they were going to feel each other out a little bit in that opening period, boys. And again, ultimately, you give the Jets credit for 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 sticking with what they did and not deviating and not doing that allowed them to play the perfect road game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, everything about it was exactly like the Winnipeg Jets would have drawn up. Let's get into the particulars, the goals in tonight's contest. There were five of them by the Winnipeg Jets, one by the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Betway Game Recap. It's brought to you by Betway, one of the most trusted voices in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. Betway is the sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront with a large selection of betting options and sports, as well as strong promotions and fair odds. What are you waiting for? on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. Before we get into it, I want to say good evening to everyone. Good morning to Chris, who's joining us from Abu Dhabi. So we are worldwide. Not a boy, Chris. On the Illegal Curve post game. Never show. misses a show, he said. Never, Never misses, misses a show. show. Is Hustler like still there? In, in Abu Dhabi? No, I think Hustler's he was in back. Qatar. Yeah, that was Qatar, but he's, he's back in... Oh, uh, sorry, that was the wrong country. country. Yeah, wrong yes. country, but uh, you know, close enough there. As he, Anyways, good evening to everyone. This is the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg. If you're new here, welcome. If you're used to our shenanigans, welcome again. Smash the like button if you haven't already done so on the YouTube channel. That's what we ask of you. And also, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast, and that way you won't miss any of the broadcasts that we put forward here on uh, each and every week and multiple times and after each and every Winnipeg Jets game. Uh, No scoring in the first period. Good chances uh, for both teams uh, in the first period. Uh, Vegas probably had a couple early chances. There was the uh, uh, Brett Howden had a scoring chance in the first period. Michael Amadio had a scoring chance in the first period. Uh, Nick Haig with a nice scene pass to Jack Eichel with a scoring chance in the first period. So really, the first period, I'd say the first 10 minutes of the first period, was the best stretch for the Vegas Golden Knights in this game. And then as the maybe the adrenaline a little bit wore off, the Jets began to take control. And then they had some opportunities in that first period. Mark Shifley with one on a toe drag. And then, of course, uh, Mason Appleton, who... I thought had scored the opening goal uh, on the on the play that Morgan Barron got injured on, but uh, wasn't the case. And uh, the Jets and the Golden Knights ended the first period scoreless at zero zero. As he, yeah, I mean I, the Jets were the better team in the first period clearly. Um, and you know you mentioned that toe drag; it was a nice little drop pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget if it was Dubois or Connor, but it was a nice little play by Shifley. 
And you mentioned the the Appleton scrum there that resulted in Morgan Barron getting cut up there. I mean, it was it was really hard to figure out where the puck was and why the whistle wasn't being blown. But yeah. those types of things are fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, like the Jets were the again the faster team. Um, they didn't give the Golden Knights a lot, and that really continued throughout the game. And that's what's so impressive uh, about this game is that the Jets were the same in the first period as they were in the second period as they were in the third period. And that just wasn't giving the Golden Knights a lot. Um, you know, they were playing effective hockey. Like this wasn't, you know, the most physical game, especially when you talk about, you know, the Jets wild game, uh, the second last game of the season, right? Like this, and, 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 you know, look, it could, you know, you saw some pushing and shoving there, um, you know, at times, but it wasn't, uh, it definitely wasn't the Minnesota Dallas series, no. the first game of that series. That's for sure. Uh, and the Jets aren't that team. They have the ability as we know, but, yeah, I thought the first, even though they didn't score, they definitely had some good chances and they were, um, you know, definitely uh, outchancing the, the Golden Knights, that's for sure. And that continued. Yeah, Dave, Jets had two first period power play opportunities that they weren't able to capitalize. Shea Theodore with the hooking penalty and then, you know, four seconds before that expired, Zach Whitecloud took that slashing penalty. So the Jets, again, the power play it did get a power play goal at the end of the game, as we know, but the you know first power play unit had opportunities in that first period, but weren't able to take advantage of it. Uh, and again, I thought the power play unit, no surprise here, missed Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, you know, obviously the whole team misses Nikolai Ehlers because he's that important to the, to the roster. Yeah. But I still thought they had chances on the power play. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that, and that's what you want and that's what you want to see that they're still snapping it around and getting some opportunities. And you're right. They don't, they don't convert, but it gave them a little bit of, I thought it gave them momentum. Like, you know, when you don't score on a power play, it can sap you a little bit, but I actually yeah. didn't think that there was any sag from the jets. There wasn't hanging their heads that they were frustrated. I thought, I think that they felt like they were, you know, controlling play you know, at that point. And so they, it was almost like that inevitability. And yeah, on that play with Mason Appleton, just to get back onto that one, I, I, I joked saying that he might have to do the old major league sacrifice <laughs> of chicken in order to uh, score because, uh, you know, that I don't know how that puck stayed out, Drew, to, to what you mm -hmm. just said. I was watching that as well, and I was like, I think it's it. It's not in, but it should be yeah. in. And so I was know, waiting he, for the referee to point, and I'm like, why yeah. isn't he pointing? He had a wide open net. But it was a great play by Michael Amadio to really come back and, and interfere with uh, Mason Appleton and prevent him from what seemed like a, a very easy tap in goal there. No, you know, exactly. And so, you know, again, the Jets, but the Jets were – all three lines, the three lines at that point, I thought were producing and were controlling the play. And mm -hmm. and like I said, even the fourth line to a, to a lesser degree, we know that they don't obviously get as many minutes as the other three. But um, right now, and as he said this, you know, when you can have Niederreiter move up, and Niederreiter is so critical to this team, but when you have Niederreiter move up and then you get Baron, who we've always liked on that third line, and we've said that Baron makes a lot of sense with Lowry and Appleton and creates you know, size, scoring, defensive awareness. I mean, that that is a third line that is a good third line in the NHL, which is what the Jets have lacked really consistently for a long part of their, you know, since they've returned to Winnipeg. Yeah. So we'll see, obviously, how long it, it, it extends. But for now, it, it sure seemed to look, to look really good for Winnipeg. 
Uh, so zero zero after twenty minutes, but didn't talk, did not take long for the Jets to open the scoring in the second period. Uh, the one twenty four mark of the second period, Kyle Connor gets his first of the playoffs, the first goal for the team in the playoffs. Uh, assist to Pierre Luc Dubois and Josh Morrissey. Uh, you know, it, it's a clean zone entry from Pierre Luc Dubois. He comes down the the left side, the left wing, and he's got Jack Eichel covering him, and Jack Eichel. Pierre-Luc Dubois just shrugs off Jack Eichel. It's man versus boys there, which shouldn't happen to Eichel. I know that Dubois is bigger than, stronger than Eichel, but Eichel really was very soft on that play, I thought, as he Dubois with a great pass to Kyle Connor, who is in a high danger zone in the slot, and on and off his stick in a blink of an eye, and it beats Lauren Brassois, and the Jets have the one nothing lead. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it wasn't and, – and it's funny because – not only does Eichel bunk, bump off Dubois, but it's like he gained speed off of that collision, right? Like it was kind of <laughs> yeah. weird. And he was, you know, at a bad angle. But I think, you know, the most important thing here, or one of the most important things is that this is your number one center. Vegas is number one center. And it's their number one D pairing, right? It's Alex Petrangelo and Alex Alec Martinez. Um, and, and there's two defensemen back. So it's actually kind of like a, a quasi two on three. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, like you mentioned, it's a beautiful pass. Uh, by Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. I mean, again, we've seen that release and that shot so many times uh, over the years, but, you know, he just picks his spot and he has a lot of time. And that's what stood out to me. Like this is, you know, the Jets' best line versus the Golden Knights' best line, best D pair. Um, and it was just perfect, perfect execution, Dave, from the Jets there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Dave, I, I thought the Vegas was soft on this play. I thought they were just yeah. a little bit soft with their with their coverage in their own zone. I thought Eichel was soft on Dubois. You know, it's not easy to handle Dubois, don't get me wrong. But as as he said, I thought the defense for Vegas was just way too casual. I mean, Kyle Connor in that oper- in, in in that scoring area is not what you want. You don't have that drawn up on the game plan for Vegas because Kyle Connor is one of the you know, the best snipers, one or one of the better snipers in the NHL. And sure, he only had 32 goals this year only, but you put him into that opportunity, he he's usually going to capitalize and he makes no mistake on it. And Vegas just again was not uh tippy top with their, you know, pardon the, my use of the expression, they were not tippy top with their attention to detail, certainly on this play and all throughout the game, I would say. Yeah, and 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 the Jets were, I mean, you it was always a question is whether the Jets could carry the momentum forward, right? And that's what you always want to see. How do you how do you handle they had a very good first period? Mm-hmm. Would would Vegas correct for that? What would happen in that intermission? Would there be a conversation? You know, maybe Bruce Cassidy shouldn't have been ripping the Jets from last year. Maybe that was the that bulletin <laughs> board material for how easy it was to get to the slot against Winnipeg. Maybe the Jets used that, but I, I you know, the Jets continue like coming out in that second hungry and aggressive is exactly what you want to see from a team who wants to earn at least a split and obviously come home with two if they could, but you wanted to see that level of aggression and that's exactly what they did. They attacked right away and you get a goal early in that. Was it a minute 24? I believe into that second period, the Jets score. And that, that sucks. First of all, what does it do? It sucks the energy out of the building. The building is completely silent at that point. And that's a great crowd. Right, everybody's always talking about Vegas. Phenomenal crowd. The energy's gone now. The, the energy's probably gone after the first because they're expecting. You know, it's an eight versus a one. Yeah. And you know, we've been talking about it like it's more of a flip and more of a four versus a five than an eight versus a one, or if you want to say a three six. But it's closer than it, the numbers would suggest. As he talked about to start the show, 
the fact of the matter is I think the fans in Vegas, and I'm not saying anything about the fans in Vegas, but I think they're expecting their, their team, 111 points, first in the cent- in the West. They're expecting their this, their team to dominate the Jets. And they're not the they don't opposite get that. happened, right? They exactly they don't get that in the first. The Jets are the the superior team. And then to start the second, you're right. Your attention is sloppy. You're not you're not crisp in your defense, and you leave Kyle Connor with time and space. Well, Kyle Connor with time and space is gonna score a freaking goal if he KFC. You're gonna have that happen, right? I'm gonna keep it PC in case Bailey's listening. She's the intern, of course. But the fact of the matter is he given that kind of time and space, he's gonna score the goal, and that gives the Jets all the momentum. And just wanted to say one thing, Drew, before we get into the the second goal, the yeah. that didn't come very long after the first goal by uh, Connor. Um, Kevin Bieksa mentioned this. I thought it was a good point. Um, he was saying, you know, everyone's going to look at this goal and say that, you know, the gap, you know, Petrangelo and Martinez uh, leave too much space there. So if it was um, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau and um, Barbashev was the other player on Eichel's line, you know, if they didn't have any back pressure then, you know, regardless of what you want to call it, if it was too much of a gap from the defenseman or if it was lack of back pressure, Connor just came in there, as Drew mentioned, from the blue line, mm-hmm. coasted in. And the when you have two defensemen back uh, and he's got that much time and space and he just wires a one-timer, um, I think that actually might be the uh, – see- hold on, Drew. I don't want to steal your thunder here. Oh, that might be uh-oh. the uh, Seagram shot of the day, right? As he's drinking heavily, folks. The Seagram shot of the day, shot of the game right there, courtesy of our friends at Seagram's. Wait, by the way, as he right out of the bottle. Yeah. Mm. Fireball tastes like heaven, burns like hell. Big mm. thanks to Seagram's for their sponsorship here on the illegal curve post. Sure, I caught you show. off guard there. I just you thought did ca- you know, I just thought that was that was probably the, the best shot of the game, right? I gotta say, as he's drinking heavily on a Tuesday night, apparently we're back in high school again, folks, but uh, <laughs> uh that's okay nonetheless. Well, I was at Richie's and he was pulling out the Johnny Walker blue label, so well, have, Richie, having watched the uh, Leafs play tonight, undoubtedly uh, would need a, a a stiff belt of scotch uh, watching yes. that Leafs game. But, oh, that uh, was we'll, yummy. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Big thanks to Seagram's. Get your favorite Seagram's product at any local Manitoba liquor mart or wherever your fine local or your fine liquor products are sold. Uh, Jets make it 2 nothing. It takes all of 62 seconds for the Jets to make it 2 nothing. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois getting his first of the playoffs, assist to Blake Wheeler, and it starts by a good defensive play by Blake Wheeler. He knocks a, a pass out out of the air it sort of lands on the stick of uh michael amadio but he's fumbling with the puck because the puck is on edge and it's rolling and it's bouncing and then wheeler is able to control it and he headmans it up to pierre luc dubois who comes down the left side and really it, it, you know he's not in all alone but he snipes it top shelf short side on laurent bossois a great shot by pierre luc dubois who was an absolute beast in tonight's game and as a result he gives the Jets a 2-0 lead very early in the second period Ezra. Yeah you know what that was a really nice shot let's do another shot for Pierre-Luc Dubois (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh folks this is going to be a problem And and again I'm watching the replay I have it on my other browser here. I have to say that you know Ezzy's eyes are barely even open by the looks of things right now they're just like tiny little slits and i so, work tomorrow nobody tell peter woods at hockey manitoba i definitely work tomorrow but uh <laughs> look at i mean i i've built up a, a tolerance over the uh 27 years or so that i've been drinking um but yeah you're right drew look at blake wheeler deserves a lot of credit you know not only for the goal that he scored but his overall game tonight and that is a veteran play and that kind of goes back to what we said 
you know, puck management, it's a cliche. Coaches love talking about being on the right side of the puck. Well, the Golden Knights, a lot of times tonight, were not on the right side of the puck. And that was just sloppy. If I'm not mistaken, that was um, in the middle of a line change. Mm -hmm. And it was just Amadio, like a good player. Amadio is a really good player. I think he scored earlier this season against the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's a bad turnover. And Wheeler makes a really nice play and gets it up to Dubois. And even though you could say that that was a shot that Brassois has to have, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I thought that was a really nice shot by Pierre-Luc Dubois, short side. So that's not an easy stop to make. No, I mean, that, that's a difficult... I think, you know, that's the... From my perspective there, Dave, that's a that's a better... That's that's the shot just beating the goaltender. I don't think that Laurent Brassois is, is to blame on this one. This is just... Yeah, he wasn't out of position or anything no. like that. It was just a... It was a good shot. And, and, and look, Pierre-Luc Dubois has a good shot and he's coming in with a lot of speed. Yeah, but you know what? He played a heavy game, and, mm-hmm. and again, you're right. Like he was physical. There's that play in the first period where he ran around the defenseman and just went right to the front of the net, and you know had a really good chance. So I, I, I you kind of were thinking, and and we're gonna pump the brakes a little bit because it's game one. Or if the Jets want to win the Stanley Cup, they got to win 15 more. If my math is correct, I'm gonna ask John Ginsburg, the retired math professor, if I'm if I'm correct on that. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, it had shades of. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Columbus Blue Jackets playing against, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so that to me is what you're you're thinking. And that's, look, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois' first playoff goal for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, as you can tell, the Jets don't have a ton of playoff experience because I think it vaulted him up from like 21st to 17th overall in playoff scoring uh, overall from, a, from a, you know, the history of this, of this organization. But it, it's, if the Jets are going to have any success, it is because you're going to have guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois who really are made for playoff hockey, right? He's big, big, he's physical, he's got a bit of an edge. You saw it with his comments towards Laurent Brassois right after he scored his goal. Yeah, yeah, and it was funny because the best was like Kevin Biak says like, well, you know, they're both French. And it was funny because I, I, I said to Ezzy after, I'm like, pretty sure, like, I know Brassois is from BC, yeah. but I'm pretty sure not only was he, is he from BC, so it turns out I did a little research Laurent Brassois' grandparents are French from from Montreal, <laughs> but his parents are not French speaking. And Laurent Brassois was was raised in um, in BC and doesn't speak French. So, and that's from Laurent Brassois himself in a Q and A he did. So I did a little crack research to make sure because I was like, I'm pretty sure he's wrong. But with the yeah. name Laurent Brassois, just you because know, you have some... a French last name, you got to just you know pump the brakes. No. In, in terms but of, it's funny because yeah. we were, I was having, you know, I was in the chat while the game was going on talking, and one of the one of the chatters was like, he's French. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's from BC. And then again, but the French name, correct? But it turns out doesn't speak any Francais. He does not. Uh, two nothing for Winnipeg at this point in time. Early in the second period. Ooh la uh, la. Yeah, ooh la la is right. Uh, Vegas cuts into the lead. Two one. This comes at the fifteen forty nine mark. So later in the second period, it's William Carlson, his fifth. Uh, pardon me, his fifth. His first uh, assist to <laughs> Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marcheseau. And this doesn't look like a dangerous play. It's just a, a function, I think, of uh, a bad decision by Blake Wheeler to mm-hmm. not skate back with uh, William Carlson. I think he thought that Brendan Dillon was going to pick up 
William Carlson on this play, but Brendan Dillon uh, was, you know, had pinched at the blue line at the offensive blue line. And he was, you know, I don't know that he was late getting back, but he just wasn't able to get back. And Wheeler, uh, I misread the play. And Barbashev with a great pass into sort of open ice and caught William Carlson coming down the middle of the ice with speed. And he's able to wire it past uh, Connor Hellebuck to put the Golden Knights on the board and cut the Jets lead in half 2-1 at this point uh, late in the second period, Ezzy. Yeah, you're absolutely right on, on that breakdown of the goal, Drew. I mean... Look, it's it's a nice pass by um, Ivan Barbashev. Sorry, I had a couple of uh, let me get my thoughts together here. I had a couple of fireball swigs. Um, yeah, I mean Blake Wheeler is definitely a step behind, and he's not able to get back. And and you're right because Brendan Dillon was in the position that he was. Um, you know, it creates a, a two on one, and so it's a really nice pass. As I mentioned, by Barbashev, nice outlet pass. Sorry, it was Marsh or so who got it up to Barbashev. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, look, William Carlson wasn't too long ago that he had his breakout year in the first Golden Knights year with whatever it was 40 goals, 41 goals. Um, but, you know, even though that was a nice goal for the Golden Knights in the second period, it's like going back to what we said, they didn't have a lot of high danger chances and they didn't have a lot going on. So that going into the third period, the Jets are up 2 1. Um, but it, it felt like the Jets were playing a lot better than the Golden Knights, and they had a, a more of a lead, if that makes any sense, right? Um, so, yeah, nice goal there, a little bit of a miscommunication, nice shot by Carlson. But, again, at the end of the day, even though Wheeler, there was a little bit of miscommunication, Wheeler was, I thought, you know, one of the three or four best Jets. We talked about, you know, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois that made it, pardon me, Pierre-Luc Dubois goal that made it 2 nothing. Great play by Wheeler to get it up to Dubois, but... Yeah, I mean, you're not going to, uh, you know, focus on too much, but the, that's the one negative I would say maybe in that game was that particular play. Yeah, that would be the b- biggest breakdown that the Jets would have had right. in the game uh, from my perspective. Uh, so still 2-1 for the Winnipeg Jets after 40 minutes, and you're wondering what's going to happen in this third period. You know, obviously Vegas needs to come out. You expect them to come out with a push and the Jets to have to, you know, weather that push. That push never came. And the Winnipeg Jets, you know, took it to the Vegas Golden Knights in the third period. 10-2, the shots on goal in that third period. If you look at possession numbers in that third period, the Jets had 75.8% of the possession uh, in that third period. So it was by far a, 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 a winning period for the Winnipeg Jets. And they get the all-important insurance marker early in that third period. At the 353 mark, it's Blake Wheeler on the backhand assist to Nino Niederreiter and Nate Schmidt. Uh, it's a great job by the Jets keeping the puck in the Golden Knights zone, and they sort of had them hemmed in, uh, you know, to start the third period pretty well. Uh, there was a shift with Connor and Shifley and Dubois where they had them hemmed in to start the third. This one is kept in. Uh, you know, the Jets keep it in. Nate Schmidt takes the shot from the point and it sort of pinballs around uh, the front of the Golden Knights net. And Blake Wheeler is able to jump on the rebound. And with uh, Niederreiter and the Mesnikov right in front of Lauren Persuad causing some havoc, Wheeler is able to get a, a backhand uh, along the ice, a squeak through Lauren Persuad, Dave, to give the Jets the 3-1 lead. It's not a great goal uh, that Brossois should have saved this one. There was not a lot on this backhand, but it just goes to show you the Jets were willing and, and, and doing what is necessary to get to the areas where they have to score goals like that. 
Well, and, and you want to credit a guy who's not going to get any credit because he won't end up on the score sheet, but Vlad Nemesnikov makes yeah. a real nice play at the top, uh, right at the blue line to get the puck over to uh, Nate Schmidt, who started, obviously got the secondary assist. Mm-hmm. But then Nemesnikov goes right to the front of the net. And so Schmidt gets the shot on net. And the, the, the Golden Knights look like they're a little bit caught off guard as to who is wh- whose responsibility is who. And so Nemestikov is allowed to get to the front of the net. Niederreiter is at the front of the net. He makes a beautiful pass to get it back, right? And so you're sitting there going, okay, what, you know, they don't know what they're doing here because they don't know who's got the puck. And then you see Wheeler make that move. And Nemestikov, I originally thought he took away Brassois' eyes. It looked like Brassois saw it and maybe have been able to react. But I think the way Nemestikov came across, it took away his eyes just as Wheeler released the puck and allowed Brassois not to really key in on it and mm-hmm. give Blake Wheeler that shot at the net. And sure, look, I mean, talk about a critical goal because again, you have another goal that gives the Jets the momentum and it gives it, it gives the Jets the good feeling. And you're thinking to yourself, and we always talk about that. There's no excuse if this is a playoff game. And look, it's not, it's not the it's not the elimination game. Right. But you're in your home building. You just had a phenomenal season after not making the playoffs. And Ezzy and I were talking about this, the fact that both the Jets and the Golden Knights weren't even in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So you went from not making the playoffs to a 111-point season, first in the division, and your third period reaction, or your start, sorry, your third period, is as subpar a start as you could have had. And it continued, of course, throughout the course of that, of that, of that period, the final frame. But the fact of the matter, from my assessment, was you've got the Jets get the goal. They do the hard work. And that's what yeah. the Jets did. The Jets did the hard work. Yeah. And it was a five-man unit, right? You have everybody basically touch the puck. I don't know who's the, would that have been Sandberg? I guess maybe the only defenseman who didn't, didn't get a touch on that puck, but everyone got in on that and everyone had a piece of that. So to me, it's just a huge momentum goal, right? As I mean, the fact is Blake Wheeler, who's probably feeling bad because he's feeling responsible for that second goal, yeah. gives the Jets he that made one goal and he makes up for it. You're yeah. Right. And, and again, look at who's on the ice, right? It's Jack Eichel or pardon me. It's Mark Stone. Um, it's Chandler Stevenson and who, who else was on that line? Uh, I forget. Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone are out there. And then you had, again, it was, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was the Petrangelo Alec Martinez pair. And you're right. I mean, the, the Golden Knights looked disorganized in their own zone. And, you know, you know, I thought Nate Schmidt had a really good kind of below the radar, under the radar, I guess I should say, game. Um, I think he had three shots on net. He was just really good out there. Uh, and yeah, really nice play by Niederreiter. And before that pass, Niederreiter is going to the net. And like Dave mentioned, Nemesnikov goes to the net, right? So, and 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 Wheeler, look, he he waits. Uh, he makes a nice little move, and I think he, it was Chandler Stevenson. I'd have to go back. I had it open, but I think it was uh, Stevenson who Wheeler uh, outweighted there, held on to the puck a little bit. And yeah, that's a big goal. He redeems himself. Um, you know, after being a little bit slow on the back check on the William Carlson goal, and he, he just had an overall really good game. And I thought that line was really good. And that was going to be the question mark without Ehlers in the lineup, right? But it really shouldn't have been because if anybody's been watching how Nina, Nina Ryder has played for the Jets, yeah. uh, he's a really good player with his size and his playmaking, uh, his shooting ability, uh, as well as his playmaking ability. So just a really nice sneaky pass by Nina Ryder, just an overall good shift. And that's what you want to do. When you have a one-goal lead, you want to score early in the third period and make it a two-goal lead, and hopefully that puts the game away, which it did. 
Yeah, 3-1 for the Jets at this point. And, you know, you, we talk about the dominant third period that the Jets had. You know, I was taking notes in my little, you know, notebook here that I, you know, so I could reference what back. What do you got there? Uh, is, that is, that is that a Hillroy, Drew? Hillroy, yeah, it's got to be uh, Hillroy. Is it a Hillroy? Uh, no, it's a Mead. It's a Mead uh, notebook. Oh, wow. Is that yeah, five-star? Someone's doing well. I remember uh, back in the day in elementary school, five-star, if you had a five-star binder, you were super cool. You were super cool. I was already yeah. super cool, so I didn't really need one. But No, no, it just seems to be a, a generic Mead uh, uh, notebook. But uh, the Mead coils put, on Mead it. puts it, out it, a nice it, notebook. It, it's a good tight coil on the coil, so that's yeah. always important as well. You don't want the papers yeah. getting loose or anything. And um, you have but, a you have a really nice penmanship, Drew, so that thank it you, doesn't I really do. matter what the, the binder's like. That's true. Thank you. You could draw it a napkin. Your penmanship's good. Yeah, I, I do have a nice, uh, I do have a nice uh, flair for the dramatic when it comes to my penmanship. Uh, but what I was saying there uh, is that you know, I, as I was taking notes in that third period and throughout the game, look from the time the Jets score here, you know, early in the in the third period, three fifty three into the third period, until the time the Jets take that too many men on the ice penalty, there's nothing written down, especially from the Vegas perspective, and that's what the Winnipeg Jets want to do. You know, they wanted to shut that game down. They didn't want it to, you know, they wanted to suffocate Vegas. And they did. I mean, it's, you, you know, if you don't believe me, look at the two shots on goal that Vegas had in the entirety of the third period. But, you know, this was a Winnipeg Jets team. And, you know, uh, rightfully so, you know, the questions abound about this Jets team. Can they, you know, can they shut down an opponent? Can they, uh, you know, take a stranglehold and maintain a lead? Well, they certainly did in tonight's game, you know, really suffocating Vegas and not giving up anything at all. Uh, and then, of course, when Vegas gets that power play opportunity with 5.15 to play, we touched on that earlier in the in the postgame show, nothing ha- nothing comes of it. Vegas gets nothing on that power play. Uh, you know, another great penalty kill from the Winnipeg Jets. And then Adam Lowry into the empty net after the power play has ended. Uh, with, this is with a minute uh, and... Uh, and 21 seconds to go in the game. Adam Lowry, his first into the empty net. Blake Wheeler with a great flip pass uh, from his own zone, and Lowry goes and chases it down. Neil Pionk getting the secondary assist as well. Uh, and that made it 4-1 for the Winnipeg Jets, and the party was certainly on uh, for Jets fans in Winnipeg and all around the world, like the ones who are joining us tonight on, the, on our broadcast, and, of course, those who are in attendance in Vegas. Yeah, and, and I mean, now, and sorry, Dave, I'll let you get in here. What I was going to say is, I mean, the narrative or the questions are going to be, you know, can the Jets replicate that in, this, in the mm-hmm. second game? And sure. obviously no one has the answer to that unless you've got a copy of the uh, sports, al- the 2023 Sports <laughs> Almanac, which I, I don't believe anybody has a copy of. Um, but yeah, I mean, the look, it's not a question to me of if the Jets can beat the Golden Knights a game or two. It's how are they going are they going to be able to play a certain way? And this is the certain way that they've played because we've seen the Jets go toe-to-toe with the Devils or go toe-to-toe with the Oilers in a transition kind of track meet type of game where you see, you know, 11 or 12 goals in a game. Um, but it's not that's not how you win in the playoffs. Um, and again, to Dave's point, I thought, you know, there was a game plan in this game and, and Coach Bonus loves, you know, s- simplified hockey where you're chipping the puck off of the glass and, you know, you're activating the D and you're putting a lot of pressure uh, on the other team's defensemen, um, you know, and obviously, you know, taking advantage of your your opportunities. But, I mean, there is going to be a response from the Golden Knights guys in game two to, to the point in the – a lot of people in the chat have been talking about that. I mean, the Golden Knights know 
what is coming in Winnipeg. I mean, they know the whiteout. <laughs> it's not like this is a secret. They were here in 2018. Yeah. Uh, even if some of the players weren't here in 2018, they're aware of this. So they want to have a big response in game two. It's not going to be, I think, uh, let's say as easy for the Jets to, to win game one. But boy, this was really impressive uh, for a Jets team that had question marks going down the stretch. No question about it. Dave talked about it. The blueprint. This is the blueprint for success uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. It's the blueprint for success for any NHL team come playoff time. This is how you want your game to look. You want to be able to suffocate the opposition while at the same time, uh, you know, being a dominant team at five on five and in the offensive zone. So top to bottom, this was a very good game for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, They round out the scoring with a power play goal. That's when you know everything's going well for the Jets, Dave. Adam Lowry with 19 seconds to go on the game in the game assist to Niederreiter and the Mesnikov uh, and that made it 5-1 you you they referenced it on the broadcast you like the subdued reaction from Adam Lowry you like the subdued reaction from all the Jets players on this goal it's like yeah we're happy we scored we've got this game in hand let's move on let's win this game and then uh, and get ready for game two on Thursday night yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's you don't need to be overly boisterous, as as I think it was Spark you just pointed out. That was game one. And in 2018, the Jets won game one against the Golden Knights, and then the next four didn't go so well. No, it did not. So uh, this is, this is you know, uh, it's a template for success. There's no question about it, but it is just the one game. Jets fans get to enjoy it. The Jets get to enjoy it. What is uh, the coaches always say? that You enjoy it tonight, you move on tomorrow. So, again, you revel in the win. You get excited about it. You get happy with, like I said, playing a full 60-minute hockey game. It's one of the biggest things we've talked about for this hockey club throughout the course of 82 games already. Mm-hmm. And now we're into game 83 is, you know, how many times have we seen a complete 60-minute effort? Well, tonight was one of those games. And this was as important a 60-minute effort. Coincidentally, we just hit 60 minutes <laughs> on the clock. Yeah. As I said, that, so, uh, that's some nice synergy right there. But... Look, this is a. You don't have absolute- to go to break anymore, boys. We're not on terrestrial radio. We could, you know, go an hour and a half or an hour forty-five without a break. That's right. So, and look, I mean, it's what. As <laughs> I he, think as you he- look like you're thirsty, though. You might need another swig of that uh, fireball there. No, 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 no. I just looked at the clock on my computer. And it's it's twenty after twelve. I think I'm going to put the fire. The, the cap is going on the fireball, Drew. Uh, I remember the irresponsible Ezzy who would be drinking until the wee hours, but now that he's got a wife and kids. He only drinks until 12.20 in the morning on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. That's responsibility there, folks. Anyways, so the, the, the anyways, like I said, you, so you, you, you enjoy it. You get to enjoy this, this complete game Yeah. and you see if you can replicate it. It's all about consistency, right? And, and as he's hundred percent, right. Vegas is going to push back. And the beauty of the jet for the jets is Vegas can push back. And if Connor Hellebuck, who there was, you, you said it early in the broadcast, Drew, if there was, you know, there were no Hellebuckian saves, but there was one because I, there must've been one because I referenced him as Con Smythe Vesnabuck. So, uh, or Connor, Connor Smythe Vesnabuck. So let me tell you something. Glad you don't write greeting cards for a living. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I mean, he made a couple of nice saves, but you know that it wasn't like that. I mean, the goal that beat him was a phenomenal goal. Yeah. Wasn't like he got beat by a bad goal. That was an absolute rocket. So the fact is that Connor Hellebuck was, was good when you needed him. And you didn't need him a lot because of the way you played. Now, will Vegas have the response? And look, one of the biggest question marks as that we were wondering about was Mark Stone, the Winnipegger. What kind of impact? He looked he fine to me. And, and the fun. thing is, he started on the third line. We mentioned it earlier because he was out there uh, for the goal that was scored by Blake Wheeler. 
He was yeah. on the third line being centered by Chandler Stevenson. It was uh, Mike Amadio on the, and that's the thing too. Like we talked about it when we were previewing the series on, on Saturday morning show, like you would probably yeah. give the golden Knights, like, I don't think it's a huge edge, but I think you like when you have Mark Stone and Chandler oh, sure. Stevenson playing on your third line, it's not really a third line. Right. And I, I'd be curious, you know, what they do with, with Mark Stone. Cause I thought, you know, for a guy that hasn't played in a long time, I thought he was pretty good tonight. Well, you know, well I I, sorry, Drew, Drew. I just want to. I just want to finish one thought. So the best is like I, I don't know if we, as you and I were talking about it during before the show started. I said it was a, it was hilarious in the end of the second period when that big scrum developed and everybody was looking for a dance partner. And you could see Kyle Connor, who, as we know, isn't exactly known for throwing elbows. He's looking around, and then all of a sudden he's got Mark Stone, and he's like, <laughs> "Why do I have to get Mark Stone? Like, give me somebody else. I'll take somebody else. I don't want Mark Stone. It's a little bit big." There you go. All good things for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. A complete 60-minute effort for them. 5-1 victors in Game 1 of this Best of 7 series against the Golden Knights. Game 2 coming your way Thursday night. 9 o'clock puck drop, which means a late night for the post-game show. Right around uh, start time. Expected to be around 11.45 p.m. Central Time. But of course, if there's overtime... All bets are off at that point in time. There's 100% um, going to be overtime. <laughs> probably. It'll be a four-overtime four game, and we'll be doing this at three in the morning. But I know that hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of you good folks will be here watching us when that post-game show begins, no matter when it does, in fact, begin. Speaking of 60-minute efforts, that's the Betway game recap. It's gone over the 60-minute mark. Uh, we're over an hour already into the Illegal Curve post-game show. The Betway game recap has been brought to you, of course, by Betway. It's simple, fun, and safe to bet with Betway. So head on over to Betway, and guess what? Bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. When we come back on the Illegal Curve post-game show, more on the Jets and the Golden Knights. We'll get some post-game comments from the respective dressing rooms. And, of course, a tough, like, hardest-hitting comment. It's not going to be a toque. But you have to wait to find out what it's going to be. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. It's now a Wednesday morning. The Jets win game one, 5 1. Don't go anywhere. It's the Illegal Curve post game show. It continues live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the biggest acts and all the up-and-comers. They've all made their mark at Rumors Comedy Club, North America's longest-running independent comedy club. Rumors has kept Winnipeg laughing for over 25 years. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. He winds up. Oh, looks like Ezzy took that one right in the choppers. A blistering fast puck hurts like H-E double hockey sticks. That's why I let the pros at Linden Market Dental Center turn my yow into wow. Get your brilliant smile back with state-of-the-art restorative and cosmetic dentistry from real pros. And remember, always wear a mouth guard. Now that's solid on ice advice. Learn more at LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos. Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, 
One call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Dave, my man, why are you in the car already? It's hours until game time. Uh, Drew, it's because I'm stressed out right now, driving around downtown Winnipeg, looking for a parking spot, and I'm not finding one. I've lost Ginsburg. I don't even know where that guy is right now. Dave, haven't I taught you anything? Do what I do. Pre-book your entire month's worth of game day parking with the Grid Park app. It's super easy to use and saves me both time and stress. Well, Drew, I'm not independently wealthy like you are. So I'm sorry that I don't have millions of dollars to pre-book my parking month in advance. What's that going to cost you? $25? How about five bucks? Come on, five dollars? No yep. way. Five bucks. I'm not telling you a lie. And our listeners can get a free park with the new special promo code, Illegal Curve. Guess what? There's more. <laughs> There's more, Drew. You're lying to me. What more could there be? Grid Park now has underground parking, so my car can stay warm during the game. So wait a second. Wait a second. All, all the driving around I do, looking for parking, minus 40. You're telling me I could be toasty warm in a car after the hockey game. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Underground parking. Just download the Grid Park app. That's G-R-Y-D Park. And use the code Illegal Curve. All one word. You'll park for free your first time. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. 25 minutes after the top of the hour, Wednesday morning. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you talking about the Winnipeg Jets. 5-1 commanding victory in game one of their series against the Vegas Golden Knights. A top-to-bottom dominant effort from the Winnipeg Jets. Gives the road team, allows them to steal home ice advantage with game two coming up, of course, on Thursday night. Here's an interesting stat, courtesy of our friends at NHLPR. Connor Hellebuck became the second goaltender in NHL history to account for each of a franchise's first 17 all-time postseason victories, joining George Vesna, who claimed each of Montreal's first 17 playoff wins in the NHL from 1918 to 1925. Obviously, the Jets certainly hope that Hellebuck will get uh, more than 17 straight victories. Uh, he'll get more if the Jets want to move forward in this playoff season, but there's a random stat. Anytime you can bring George Vesna into the conversation, well, I'm going to go ahead and take that opportunity. Uh, here's Nikolai, the quote from Rick Bonus about Nikolai Ehlers not playing tonight. Of course, that was a surprise to everyone. I certainly thought he was going to play tonight. I said we, learned, we learned that day-to-day -day was more powerful than good to go. 
No question. Uh, we'll make the right call to protect the player, Rick Bonus said. Medically, he was not ready to play, despite Ehlers insisting on Sunday that he would be ready for game one. Bonus added the situation can change given an extra 48 hours. So that's courtesy John Liu tweeted that out. So obviously it'll be a wait and see approach as it pertains to Nikolai Ehlers and his health moving forward. But the Winnipeg Jets certainly uh, could use him. Uh, tonight they were able to do it without him, but it, they are a better team with him in the lineup. But nonetheless, a an impressive victory uh, tonight without the ever-so-dangerous Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup. Uh, some comments from the Golden Knights. A quick one, this courtesy of Comes to Us, tweeted out by Jesse Granger. Bruce Cassidy, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, head coach, said, quote, it's playoff hockey. You need an intensity level that is greater than the one we had. And that's probably got to be very uh, perplexing to Bruce Cassidy and perplexing to the fans in Vegas who are in attendance is why did their team come out so flat for a lot of the game? particularly in that third period when they were only able to muster two shots, Dave, and the Jets were able to maintain control of the game. Yeah, to me, that that is the most significant thing that you're going to talk about this whole game is the fact that, I mean, the Jets played a great 40, but when you're the trailing team, you you anticipate that the Jets are going to, if I'm the Jets, I'm expecting like wave upon wave yes. of Golden Knight, you know, crashing, crashing their fortress. But it wasn't that. That wasn't the case. And when you watch that power play, a penalty kill story by Winnipeg, and their penalty kill was excellent throughout the course of this game. But in the third period, when Vegas is trailing and they can't get any momentum from their penalty kill. In fact, it was Adam Lowry who looked like he had the best chance on that yeah. penalty kill shorthanded. So uh, to me, the penalty kill was exceptional. The Jets play in the third period. I mean, at one point, they were out shooting Vegas 8-1. to one. And then, yeah. like I had said, it was 17 minutes into that third period and Vegas still only had one shot. So to me, that's one that just suggests that the team didn't have what it took. They weren't willing to, you know, invest whatever it took to win that hockey game. And I'm not saying that they quit, obviously. I'm just saying that they just didn't have the effort level required to meet the Jets' effort level. They didn't elevate. Right. They, like, right? And it's a, it's a cliche again. Up here where they, the air is crisp. Exactly. They did not elevate to the crisp air. They stayed down where the air was uh, a little muggier. Um, but Drew's right. I mean, it wasn't just the third period, but it was the most noticeable in the third period because you needed that push. When you're down 3-1 and you get a power play and you have the opportunity even to pull your goalie and go up a couple of men, even if they don't decide to pull Brassois, you, you have to generate some type of momentum uh, from that power play, right? And it's kind of inexcusable to have no shots in the third period on a power play late uh, when you're down a couple goals, right? So... We expect a better effort from the Golden Knights, but again, you got to give a lot of credit to the Jets for how stingy they were defensively. That's a word I would use. They just didn't give the Golden Knights a lot of opportunities. So you know that the Golden Knights are going to be better, um, but right now the Jets are in the driver's seat. That's what you like to see. Yeah, certainly are. Look, they, the Jets are, are playing uh, as a very confident team for a team that for so long during this latter half of the season, they were playing with no confidence, where nothing was able to go their way, where they were a team that seemed bereft of answers. Well, you know, that homestand coupled with that victory in Minnesota, coupled with tonight's game one, this is a Winnipeg Jets team that is certainly playing. Uh, they're a confident bunch. And anytime you can go on the road, 
and you can steal an opening game of the series, you're going to be feeling good about yourself. And all you're going to say is, hey, we did it for game one. Why don't we go ahead and do it for game two and then head home and try and take a real stranglehold on the series. Well, and Drew, just to touch on a point that I mentioned, but it was your original point because you mentioned it, you talked about it on Saturday. Yeah. How critical is that first period going to be on Thursday night at nine o'clock? From both teams' perspective, one because you know Vegas, as we've talked about, has been an excellent first period team, yeah. but they are going to really want to make an imprint on that game, right? As they're going to want to show the Jets, hey, you got game one, we're here for game two, we're going to take this. And again, that to me is where Connor Hellebuck is going to make his money because I think he's going to be able to, you know, stand up against whatever Vegas throws his way. He's looking, he's looking dialed in. Again, he wasn't tested significantly. Yeah. But when he was tested, he made the stops. He kept making all the stops. He was yeah. like Kramer. But uh, th- so that that is going to be the the interesting sort of thing we watch for uh, to start the first 20 minutes on Thursday. Of course, we're still reflecting on the game tonight and the fact that the Jets picked up a, a, just a critical 5-1 game. And I liked also the fact that everyone – I mean, look, Mark Shifley didn't have a goal, right? Mark Shifley did not have a point in this game, if I recall correctly. Right. So. Uh, and, I, you know, it's funny. I was going to tweet out. I didn't in the end, but I was like, well, he must love He loves playing against jer- teams that play with a yellow jersey, of course, given how well he did against Nashville. That play I like those jerseys. In, they in remind me of the Predators puke jerseys. That's why I said Mark Shifley was probably <laughs> looking forward to playing against that. But I think that I still think he had a good game. And you could see that those guys, like someone mentioned in the chat, you could see how happy he was when Pierre-Luc Dubois scored that goal. Yeah. Back on the bench, smiling, laughing. The guys are engaged. The team is engaged. The guys are, again, the team is focused. And I, I said this on the la- on the Saturday show, and it's funny because it's Nate Schmidt, coincidentally, again, with all the ties he has to Vegas, but it's Nate Schmidt saying perfect. You know, you guys basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you guys are underdogs. Perfect. These guys love that ass against the world mentality. All They'd love do. to be, They, I, of course, of course, a lot of teams do, but I'm saying this Jet team, I, this Jet team, I think, hates success. So when they have the opportunity to have everyone say, you know, we're not picking them or this series a little bit more, a lot of, this was a lot of more toss up. I think a lot of analysts were still giving the Jets the, uh, the, the potential to win it. But I just think that I think this team loves having that us against the world mentality. Yeah, they certainly uh, took advantage of that and they were uh, fired up and ready to go for tonight's game and Vegas did not match that intensity. The Jets winning 5-1. It goes to show you, by the way, how much uh, home ice advantage really matters. All four road teams tonight were victorious. Which, by the way, I was waiting for you to mention that. Yeah. Well, that was the first time since what, like 2003? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. And the most surprising one of them all, I would say, is the Kraken going into Colorado, going into Denver. They were Kraken. And beating uh, Colorado by a 3-1 margin. The Jets obviously win 5-1. The Rangers match the Jets uh, when they defeat the Devils 5-1. And the Toronto Maple Leafs get embarrassed on home ice 7-3 at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's like Eric DeHatchik said on Thursday, on Saturday's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. He's like, well, you know, everyone talking about the Leafs, the Leafs, the Leafs. How about the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, three times in a row in the yeah, Stanley Cup right, Finals? Too. Maybe we shouldn't be writing them off so quickly. Uh, but, of course, they suffered a number of key injuries in that game. Michael, uh, you know, with with the bad hit by Michael Bunting on Eric Chernak. Well, and, he's going to get suspended for that for sure. He's got a hearing. I think he's already got a hearing. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that should well, be two, 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 two games, three games, four games. What is this? Uh, Leafs lunch? You, I bet you two games. You know, after an hour and eighteen minutes, we can talk about the playoffs in general for at least a couple. Well, of we got to talk about that. Then we got to talk about that Dallas Minnesota game last night because that overtime was awesome. Yeah, awesome. Was, I, would, I wouldn't know. I was sleeping. I, I, as, how, as, 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 
I stayed awake. And the best was like, as I, he, as I just he, was tired. Like I was exhausted. I, and I, I was, I was saving all my energy for tonight, boys. Game but, one of the Jets Golden Knights. That, yeah, that was, that, I, mean, that, I, thought, I knew that that's that when I went to bed, there was a, a minute left in the wild Dallas game. So I knew there was a good chance that was going to overtime. Yeah. But the LA Edmonton game, like that was the one where I was, yeah. I think it was two, nothing or three, one when I went to bed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and wow, what a comeback. And that was the game that I was more upset that I, I went. So I, I guess what I'm going to do is basically just stay awake for the next two months. Well, <laughs> drinking heavily is a good start. Uh, that definitely is going to keep you awake uh, to the wee hours, but uh, no, that was a great overtime. Uh, look, this, the, the, the first round of the playoffs, we know how good it is and it's already it's off to a, a raucous start and remind everybody uh, that of course, anytime a game goes into overtime, the illegal curve overtime pool, I C O T pool. That's the hashtag you need to use. You can find that on Twitter uh, and uh, rumors restaurant and comedy club are good friends. They're the sponsor of the I C O T pool. Pick one player tweeted at illegal curve. And if that player scores the overtime goal, you're going to be off to rumors uh, to see an upcoming show. So big thanks to our friends at rumors hashtag I C O T pool. Did anyone uh, take Ryan, Ryan Hartman drew? No. Nobody, we had, there, there were no winners. Nobody Good. had he Alex Iafalo. He shouldn't have even been in that game. He shouldn't have been, but yeah, nobody had Ix, Alex Iafalo either. Uh, it was, it was no, no winners. No winners. I was I was disappointed when I was Rumors wins again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of winners, Ezzy, we have a Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Uh, yeah. Who's getting not the toque, but the Tough Duck trucker hat. Yeah, it's the spring, even though I'm pretty sure there might be a blizzard outside right now. It's supposed to snow a lot in the next couple of days. I know that. But it is the playoffs, so no more Tough Duck Tukes. We're giving away trucker hats. I don't have one on me. Hopefully, I'll you know maybe have one to uh, model or at least show everybody that's watching. But yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be giving away trucker hats now for the Tough Duck Hardest Hitting Comment. And I have it. Uh, I sent it to you there, Drew. I think you've got it there. Yeah, we've got it up. Like, like this comment from 10A City. Plain and simple, we absolutely nullified what Vegas had tonight. We didn't get any bounces. Vegas didn't play poorly. We were just simply the better team tonight, period. Full credit to us. Love that. I mean, he's he or she is uh, completely right. The Jets just suffocated Drew's uh, – that's Drew's word. The Jets suffocated the Golden Knights. When you can keep a team to 17 shots uh, at home – in the first game of round one series, you know you're doing something right. So 10A City, send me an email, Ezra at IllegalCurve.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter at ICSEG and send me your mailing info and Tough Duck will send you a trucker hat. There you go. Congratulations to 10A City, the winner of tonight's Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Uh, here's a comment from Kyle Connor about after tonight's game. It was great. We, it never wavered. We knew they were going to have a push at some point. Very confident group. All four lines over 60 contributed. That means all four lines contributed over 60 minutes. Uh, that's playoff hockey, said Connor. We're playing tough hockey. It takes every ounce of energy you got, every shift. That's absolutely uh, the identity of our team. We come in waves no matter who is out there. So a very happy Winnipeg Jets team. Kyle Connor uh, expressing that happiness. This that courtesy of Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. His game article just published on the Free Press website. So the Jets victorious tonight, 5-1. Before we wrap up, I've got to make mention the Winnipeg Ice. They were in action tonight in Moose Jaw in Game 3. They lost 8-4 
to the Moose Jaw Warriors. So they're now down two games to one in their uh, in their Eastern Conference semifinal. Well, first a, a real adversity they've had this year, Drew. I was going to say, I wonder if the Ice have lost two games in a row before. I can't the, remember two in a row in the season. Yeah, I don't. They, they only lost what, Dave? Ten games all year. Nine or ten, yeah. It was very, it was very low. Yeah. I, I think there was one stretch where I think they lost to like Regina and Saskatoon. They may have been either back to back or it was like two out of three where they had a little bit of a a, a, a a slide. But no, this is this is the first bit of adversity. And and Moose Jaws played them even. I think the season series was three games apiece. So uh, yeah, the Winnipeg Ice dealing with some adversity. Uh, you know who's not dealing with some adversity though? Brad Lambert and the Seattle and the oh, yeah. Seattle Thunderbirds. Brad Lambert and the Seattle Thunderbirds are rolling right now. Not believe- one point, not two points, not three points, not four points, not five points, but six points. Wow! Like he had six tonight. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. No, I didn't realize that. Oh, I thought that you that you were setting no, me up for that. No, no, well, it was Prospect good setup by Drew Mandel. Yeah, like seriously, I well, because Brad Lambert's had he's he missed two games due to illness in the first round when Seattle swept. And now they're against Prince George, and he had he had three assists in the first game. He had a goal and three assists in the second game. And now you're telling me he had six points a in goal tonight's game, and five assists tonight for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Woo! Let me tell you, the best decision the Jets like ever made. has some work to do. Yeah, like oh, thanks, thanks, Drew. This is exactly what I need. Now I got to go cut all these clips. But I will say, the I best want a thousand words on uh, <laughs> Brad Lambert's on Brad uh, Lambert's six, point, six point, night. point night. Yeah. I will say though that the best decision the Jets and Moose organization made Something was sending Brad Lambert back and Chaz Lucius to Portland. It's unfortunate he got hurt because uh, that would be really good for him playing with the Winter Hawks. But Ch- uh, Brad Lambert going down the 2022 first oh. rounder and playing with Seattle has been just phenomenal for his confidence. And again, there's some good articles and we posted them on illegalcurve.com. Hash, no big deal. The best site for Jets and Moose news and Ice news. But uh, there's a really good article that he's been doing a lot of really good things away from the puck. It's not just what he's doing with the puck, which is exceptional on a really deep Seattle team. There and just go. one one more comment on the on the ice there. I mean, the ice obviously are very much in the series. I, I would expect them probably to still win it. But the Moose Jaw Warriors, um, Braden Yager is, is considered to be uh, a first-round pick, probably top 15. Jagger Furcus, who was a second-rounder for the Seattle Kraken, was almost uh, – uh, a first rounder because it was early in the second round. And then Denton Matejchuk from Dominion City, Manitoba, point per game defenseman drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the Moose Jaw Warriors, like this is the second round. And again, I still think the ice will will pull this out, but the Moose Jaw Warriors are not an easy out. They've got a lot of talent on that team. But as Dave mentioned uh, and Drew mentioned with the breaking news with the six-point night by Brad Lambert, that Seattle team is uh, looking like they're the team to beat now, not the Winnipeg Ice. We and come- as he and Drew, we can't, of course, not mention Dominic DeVincentis, the 2022 seventh rounder who was, you know, setting all sorts of records in North Bay for the North Bay Battalions. And uh, he's currently in his over in the OHL. They were tied one all. I didn't look at the results. I think it was tonight, actually, that they played. And Danny Zilkin and his 2022 third rounder, the Kitchener Rangers, that uh, they were down 2 1 to London. He had a really good game in game three, which they won, but they're down. They were down two games to one. And of course have to mention Dimitri Kuzman, the 2021 third rounder as he, he just got reassigned by the jets from the Flint Firebirds, So he'll be with the moose. I will be having a chat with him tomorrow uh, with, he plays and practices, sorry, with the Manitoba moose as they get ready for their uh, first round series, or technically the second round series based on the way the AHL does it. 
uh, that gets started next Friday against Milwaukee. Is this a Dave M one-on-one or is this just a, like a scrum type of scenario? Good question. If I let my our boy Austin Saragusa get in there, I'll let him get a few questions. But uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to let Austin get in there or not. Well, we'll see if the we'll see if the if if the goose is if the goose on the moose is loose or if Dave M is going to hog. All goose the, the goose is always loose. Yeah. Uh, the North Bay lost to Barry two one in overtime. Uh, the Barry Colts defeated uh, North Bay earlier tonight. Tonight's OHL report brought to you by Seagrams. <laughs> Barry did have thirty four uh, shots on goal at the end of regulation, so uh, uh, the Jets goaltender prospect there certainly was doing his part in trying to keep the team afloat, but uh, fell one goal. What happened with shy. Kitchener, Drew? Pardon me. What happened with Kitchener? I don't know. I didn't check Kitchener yet. I just I, I can only do one thing at a time here. Not really. It's a little like what happened with Sault Marie. I don't know what happened there. I'll let other people find that out. It's late, and I'm getting old and crotchety at oh this boy. point in time. Uh, Jets win 5-1. Game one over the Vegas Golden Knights. A huge victory for the Jets. Game Not two. a good game for Kitchener. 5 nothing they lost. So they're there down three go. games to one to London right now. Game two of the Jets and the Golden Knights comes your way Thursday night. It's a later puck drop, 9 o'clock, which means post-game show sometime just before midnight, assuming the game ends in regulation. If it doesn't end in regulation, post-game will start whenever the game ends. That's the beauty of the playoffs. It's late night with a legal curve uh, from now until the season comes to an end. It's a good thing I took Friday off of work. See, I'm smart. Naomi's also going to be out of town. That's why I took the day off. But one of the main reasons why I took the day off, I'm using a vacation day for that exact reason, because the post-game show could easily be at 2 o'clock in the morning. It might be. You're, you're, you're not wrong. It might be. But uh, you play hurt. You play like a champion. Or in Ezzy's case, you take uh, you sleep in and let the kids make breakfast themselves while daddy, while daddy sleeps it off. Either way, it works out well for you. Uh, big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post-game show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, The Keg, Grid Park, Rolly's Transfer, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, and of course, the title sponsor of the Illegal Curve post-game show, our friends at Betway. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Jets win 5-1, game two, Thursday night. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Thanks to everyone for joining us. This has been the Illegal Curve post-game show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.